On the Fozcast today, we have got two-time Premier League winner, three FA Cup medals and a Premier League Player of the Year award, Freddie Ljungberg. We spoke about Arsene Wenger and his fantastic man management skills, that world-famous Calvin Klein advert that almost broke mainstream media back in a time when adverts like that weren't really around. And also, talking of adverts, you remember them bad boy Nike ones? Well, we spoke about exactly how they filmed them with so many superstars. R9, Bigo, Henri, you name it, the list goes on. Up the first one. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Freddie, welcome to the Fozcast. Um, I've got to start. Which current Arsenal player most resembles a Freddie Youngberg. Which player do you think looks like you on that pitch? It's hard. I think football's changed quite a lot, but <clears throat> we have Bakayo on one side. We have Erdogan there. Maybe Martinelli um, on the way that he has a lot of speed when he goes, a lot of energy when he goes. Um, maybe I was more, how do you say, defensive in that way that sometimes protecting their area and stuff like that. But in general, going forward, I would say um, that's something that resembles a bit, if that's okay. No, I like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we want to hear. Do you have anybody in mind, Ben? Um, no, I was going to say a li- it's a little bit like a... a, a mass- it's, it's difficult to match for like for like, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure if we went broader, we went the Premier League, you could pick somebody a little bit closer to it. But I, I get what you're saying. I think, let's say, Freddie was probably a little bit more defensively minded. Gabriel is a little bit more freer and just gets that role to go forward. Um, but I get what you're saying. Does it make it a that. bit harder in the fact that um, Freddie was a wing, obviously he played number 10 as well, but like as a 4-4-2, like, Back then, that oh. was a really common formation. Now, how many teams play four four two now? I don't think they do, do they? No, it's not very common at all. At all, and it is not the same as you play four three three. Yeah, much more attacking minded on a four. You have your defensive shape that you have to do a bit more rigid. I think in olden days. But if you look at like I, I got this question before. Uh, I was in the old players. I was like, almost like a, I don't know if you more agree with like a mix of Walcott and Rosicki. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where I was like, remember for a few years ago when I was like, that's something like that was probably how I play. Walcott and Rosicki, little, yeah, I like it, little combo. Uh, what do you make of the current Arsenal team at this moment in time? I think um, from the outside looking in, obviously we haven't been part of the, the club like you have. Um, there's genuine optimism around them this season in particular. Um, some of the young players I got coming through, really entertaining. Um, um, are they capable of going that extra step this year and winning the Premier League? With my past, obviously that's what I hope for. And uh, But it is when you have a team like City, uh, which has gone a bit so-so in the autumn with injuries and now you feel the spring is coming and they're going to 
maybe not yeah. drop any points. Uh, so it's tough for them. But like, I think they're taking steps all the time. And I think now they are like, and to be honest, I think they do as well. And I'll tell you that both of them done a great job, mm-hmm. but there's been quite a lot of investment within the club. I think now is the time to really challenge. And I think they are. I think it would have been devastating for them if they hadn't beaten Liverpool at home yeah. with that big gap. But they're right in it now. Um, when you look at this current team, as opposed to when you were playing in your era, I, I look at the team, I've looked at some of the team sheets that you played in and some of the leaders that you were playing amongst, like even just the likes of Patrick Vieira, for example, leaders all over the pitch. Yeah. Is, do, does this Arsenal team have them sort of leaders or are we just <clears> not privy to it? Behind the scenes, do you think that there are those leaders in the changing rooms? I hope so. I think, of course, we were very privileged. I remember it was when Vieira... If it was Tony Adams stopped or Vieira, I can't, yeah. there was something there. And they asked uh, Arsene, who's going to be the captain? And he said, I have so many leaders and so many captains within this dressing room. It doesn't really matter who yeah. I pick. And we were lucky in that way. We had quite a few national team captains within that dressing room. But they, obviously all of them couldn't be the captain of the club. Uh, so we were blessed in that way. And I don't think that's particularly common. Um, so I think today, I don't think they probably have as many leaders. We were maybe a little bit further down the line in our careers yeah. as well. Like they have quite a lot of young players. They talk about it. Bukayo is starting to become a leader and you have an Erdogan as like the captain. They're still quite young. Um, so I think it would just be more and more and bigger, bigger leaders. Who, who was your favourite captain you played with in your career? I've had some great ones, but I would say I've got old school like Tony Adams. Yeah. I um, I loved... I, he, I have a story if, you, if I'm allowed to of give a story on, on, on Tony. He... Um, if I can remember it, remember it correctly, he, um, we were knackered and the players were just exhausted. And Tony was on the edge of like when he was finishing playing, like we had Soul and Keown and like wasn't that he just would be play every single match. And that's when I feel it's like extra. So he went into the boss and said, the boys are not training today. And the boss was obviously like, they are. And he's like, no, I'm the captain. They are not training, just to be clear. And we didn't train that day. Oh, wow. That's and power. He, That's yeah, a lot of power. And he power, put his that. own, he probably, it could have been benched for the weekend. Yeah. Like if the manager were like, who the f- does he think he is? And he's done. And I always respected. I was like, he was spot on and he took that fight for us. And I respect that. That's what I want for my captain. That's so different oh. as well. That's like, that goes above like captaincy on a, captaining on a pitch as well. That mm. is um, when someone captains a club, isn't it? Yeah, That's, well, that, that shows that he... Like it means a lot to him. He cares because there's a lot of people get given the captain's armband, and yeah, they they might sort of say a few things on the pitch here and there, but it's about that whole week, the whole build up to it. So, like, say if you turn up on a Thursday, God forbid the lads are tired. Like, normally, it's not even an option to not train. And yeah. I, I play, I've I've been in a few situations like that. Troy Deeney, I remember doing it, going in and saying. We're not training today. The boys are knackered. They're on their feet. We've got back late from there. We played this game. We played that game. And it's a big thing, you know, for a player to go in and say that to a manager because it risks his home, his own position yeah. in the team, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and that's what, as a teammate, you know that. Oh, it's respect, isn't it's it? It's a yeah. respect of yeah. like, he didn't put himself first. It's all the other ones before himself and then you respect them more. I think that's the other thing as well. With so much travel, obviously, when you're playing in Europe, this is what probably the average fan doesn't realise. We've done, I don't know, what, 10 hours of travel in the last couple of days. We're only sat in a car. Oh, it ties you but out. But it does Come tie on. you out, doesn't it? And it's oh. quite taxing. When when you were playing, um, a few people we spoke to recently, so Dan Byrne at Newcastle, um, Jurgen Klopp uh, spoke about it recently, about saying a like a senior leadership team 
amongst the players, almost like three or four senior players with the captain. Was that was that kind of relevant when you were playing? Something that happened? When I started in Sweden, we actually had one. Okay. So I remember I was representing the young ones. Uh, so I think two or three or something. We you had were the some spokesman for the young lads? I like, oh yeah, I was so young. I was only 17. But I remember I was in there in some meetings before training and stuff. Yeah. Um, but then I can't remember. We, we had a bit of it with my national team with like the captain and the vice captain and a bit like that. Um, but no, not, not really in that way. Like I, I think we all were... At least I was lucky, let's say, Arsenal. Nobody was scared of saying what they thought. Yeah. If there was something going on in the dressing room or like felt it was needed to say, you would just say it to the captain or whoever you want and he has to sort it out. Okay, Freddie, um, I want to take you to, and we've spoken about this already today. Um, by the way, people listening, I've already done a podcast with Freddie on his Unseen podcast. It's over on uh, Viaplay. You can give it a watch now. Very good, by the way. We broke down the cycling GK like you wouldn't believe, didn't we, <laughs> yeah, Freddie? Forensically. Yeah, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie is a complete newbie when it comes to YouTube. He does not get that world one little bit. So he is asking the questions probably a lot of people wouldn't even think to ask. So it was very, very good. It's enjoyable. Go and give it a watch. We'll put a link to it down below as well. Um, and we were talking before that as well. Um, one, one particular football match that is probably one of the biggest regrets of your football career is the Champions League final um, against Barcelona. Unfortunately, a 2-1 loss. Um, I just want to talk about... So for me, as a goalkeeper, you know, I'm, I remember watching that game and Jens Lehmann getting sent off early on in the game as well, 20th yeah. minute. He gets sent off um, and I'm, I'm absolutely gutted for him. You've got to think about this on a human level and yeah. he has played probably his whole career wanting to get to a Champions League final. And it lasts twenty minute long for him. Do you remember back to that day just how gutted he was when he had to when he came off the pitch? You were so angry or disappointed yourself. So you're like, I don't think it, all you saw was the floor. Yeah. But of course, Jens was on on a different level of disappointment. And uh, but he had been so amazing the whole year for us and in the Champions League specifically that we respected him so much. There was no no one would say a word or yeah, like, no you blame. know, blame, not even close to it. It was just like, you're phenomenal. Yeah. A mistake happens. And we tried to fight for it, to fix it for him. Yeah. We didn't achieve it. Uh, but I think for us, it was more, I know everybody outside maybe didn't feel, we felt we were better than Barcelona. Yeah. So we were like, we're going to win this. We walked into that. We we're like, they are great offensively. We're great offensively, but we felt we're better defensively than they are. So we we're like, as long as this becomes a proper fight, We'll have it. So for me, it was a shock to the system not to win the game. Um, like you say, 20 mi 20th minute, the wind gets taken right out of your sails. Like everybody's expecting Arsenal to do well in this game. When that happens and you know that they're going to have to make a tactical substitution, you, like I say, somebody is going to have to come off and it's normally going to be an offensive player, yeah. right? So at this moment in time, are you all kind of looking at each other thinking, who's it going to be? Did you know? So unfortunately for Robert Perez, yeah. he was the guy that had to come off. He was the one that got substituted for Manuel Almunia to come on the pitch. Did you kind of know it was going to be him or was you half worried for yourself as well? So we had actually changed the system for that Champions League um, that year. So we played 4-3 for the first time and I played central midfield in the three. So I did think that he probably would pick one of the wingers yeah. that would go. And Robert was fantastic offensively, unbelievable. But sometimes maybe then his tracking back and stuff wasn't the strongest. And you need that when you lose a man. So 
you probably thought, oh, he probably will take Robert, even if that's obviously awful for him. Not that he was not a yeah. great football player, just tactically what they would do. Oh, what was what was Robert like? Can you remember? Can you remember? Because that is that's almost being sent off is one thing, but then when it's taken out of your hands and somebody else takes you off the pitch, you must be thinking, oh, come on, please. Yeah, no, obviously he was devastated. It's everybody's dream, and we. Maybe it sounds cocky. I don't mean it in a cocky way. We we probably felt that we underperformed for quite a few seasons yeah. in the Champions League. So we're finally here. And then, like you say, that you Rob get hooked after 20 minutes. That yeah. must be um, quite devastating. What can you remember for the rest of that game then? So obviously Sol Campbell scored late in the first half. You go in 1-0 up at halftime. Um, and then unfortunately, I think it was the 75th and 80th minute, Barcelona scored their goals to, to win on the game. Um, do you remember just sort of all sort of hands to the pump, working hard with 10 men? Like I said, like the, our approach, or like we felt like we'll beat them. Like I wasn't worried at all before the game, but getting one man down against Bowers, probably the worst team oh. in the world to like, because they can play the possession yeah. game. So you knew like, oof, we're going to go for a run here. And I thought we did really well. I think uh, Thierry had a one against one with their keeper at one stage, one's mm. one nil. So we felt we're in it. Uh, then obviously like they wore us down in the end and they got then if we offside and won a goal so not but you have you have these memories but have a fun memories in the memory in the end I think our sense just screamed to me but we couldn't get the ball in the end when they were winning 2-1 but we had always had to score it's like, it's like hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Scream to me, get that ball and just go for it. Just dribble <laughs> for it. I was like, okay, boss, but I need to get it first. I'm trying, honestly, I'm trying. <laughs> but um, now it's, it was, for me, that's still today my biggest disappointment in my career. I felt with that team we had, we should have won it. And I often say, like, when you meet players, let's say old players, Real Madrid or Barcelona now when you're retired and they often say like, oh, that you didn't win with that team. I Criminal. don't understand. That hurts even more. Oh, yeah, cheers. Uh, don't remind uh, me. Yeah. But, uh, but that, that's a tough one. But they were better than us on that day yeah. and uh, they played well. Let me, can I quickly, before we uh, move on, let me, can I just name the team sheet for that day for the Arsenal team? So Jens Lehmann in goal, you got Abue, Colo Torre, Sol Campbell, Ashley Cole, Robert Perez, uh, Gilberto Silva, Cesc Fabregas, Alexander Schleb. Remember Alexander Schleb? He was yeah, at Birmingham. He came, in, he came to Birmingham for a bit, actually. Uh, yourself, uh, Thierry Henry on the bench. You've got Manuel Amunia, Philip Senderos, Gail, Clichy, um, Dennis Burkamp, Robin Van Persie, Jose Antonio Reyes and Matteo Flamini. What a squad that is, mate. It was a nice team. Yeah. <laughs> what thank was, you. What was training like with them? Like? I'm sure when you do, we were, again, we were talking about it earlier, rondos and the boxes and little possession, things like that. Was, it, was, was the quality absolutely on fire? I would say so. Uh, we we talked about the rondos. We would have certain groups. You always so we have the the Dutch, yeah. the like bit foreign. 
we were in one group, then you had the English group over there, and it was we had the Brazilians as well in ours. Oof. And so I would say, yeah, you didn't want to get stuck in that uh, in the middle. That took some time which, to get which out. Which group of. was the best? Which group, the English group or the uh, or the foreign foreign group? Yes, yeah, so you had the French because there were quite a few of them. Yeah. So I was obviously in that foreign group. I've said I was obviously the best. <laughs> Who was telling us the other day that the, it's the Spanish? Was it you saying yeah. the Spanish rondos? You do not want to go anywhere near. Yeah, well, we at Watford we had a big Spanish contingency. We had sort of seven or eight Spanish players, and they were all very technical gifted players um, and like I say every day they would do the boxes every day they would do the rondo and the goalies would always join in and one goalie could go in with the Spanish lot and one goalie would go in with like the English lot basically the okay, English yeah. and rest of the world lot and as a senior goalie I would be pushing the other goalie into the Spanish lot because <laughs> if you're in the middle of the Spanish rondo you are getting made to look an absolute fool you're getting nutmegged you're getting olayed and you're staying inside running around like yeah. a madman honestly it's horrible because you go, did you have the rules as well when you how do you get nutmeg? You stay double. Yeah, double. So you're you in go again, on yeah. like you're three, again. four different yeah. nutmegs. Yeah. You're in the twenty for a passes while. or a nutmeg is an, you have to stay in one more time. Yeah. Wow, oh, it's brutal. And you can add that on as much as, as you want. As much as you want. It can yeah. accumulate, accumulate. And like I say, when you're a goalie, you're shifting yourself all around the place. It's not the Are one. Are these you know. the kind of things in training that the players enjoy the most, or would they be? Would it be like a small-sided game? What's the kind of highlight of training for you, Freddie? So that was the warm-up certain days. Yeah. It was mostly um, match day minus one. Was yeah. the, we start with to have a laugh because everybody's just, excuse me, after a while, like we can't get someone. You're like, we know that some of them always in the middle and you, you obviously take the mis- mick out of them <laughs> and like stuff. So it's a good laugh to get that tension off, I would say, sure. for the game tomorrow and some are worried are they going to be in the team or not. So that's a good yeah. start of it. Uh, but personally, I... I no, I, I loved um, when you played four against four, three against three. We had oh, competitions yeah. like that. I could die for that. That was The that six was sides were brilliant, weren't they? Because then you had bragging rights as well. You'd get into the changing rooms after training. You'd, obviously, you'd do that first. You might do a bit of set plays or set pieces or tactics or walkthrough of how it's going to look tomorrow. But then it was all about the five-a-sides, all about the six-a-sides and trying to be on the winning team. And if you did get into the changing room, some clubs do it properly where... If you're on the losing team, you have to either go to the shop and get all the sweets and treats and cakes and oh. for the bus trip or next week they have to wear a, like a, a, a bad kit or something like that. And that's how it should be yeah, as well because yeah. it just it, it's just that camaraderie, isn't it, just to, yeah, to keep the spirit going a bit more. Yeah, and like we often did it on when it was the tough day of the week, yeah. like when you really went for it physically. Because like you said before, with quite a few leaders in the team, it was... A proper battle like there, there were almost fist fights within that yeah. because like you said bragging rights you want to be the best nobody wants to lose so uh i always enjoyed that but you need to you you i always remember my i never had shin pads on when i yeah. trained and after that session you were always bleeding really? there was always blood out but it was part of so it so if you've got like your five aside small sided who's in your team so you you are oh, sure gosh. i mean you've got some serious names in there surely you've got to have Thierry at dennis burkamp yeah. Just, just talk go, about keeping the ball. Yeah, go for that Invincibles team then. Which what, what's your five aside on there? If you're on a Friday afternoon, you're not losing with some um, of these. It's hard. Like they were so great. I hate picking yeah, players because I, I think I, I said brutal, I think they're it? all top three in the world. I yeah. think the one that started sure. in their position. That's yeah. what I generally feel. But I would probably mix them up a little bit. So I would have like let's say one bigger defender. Let's say if that's a key owned that kicks everyone or is Sol Campbell <laughs> or something like that. And then I had. I wanted then Lauren or Ashley Cole, like yeah, some are small nibble. Yeah, yeah, they will go for people. And then you have a 
solid midfielders that Patrick or Gilberto, you want one of them. Yeah. Then you want maybe you like say it's me or Robert, so they would just go and dribble and go past players and then one of the strikers. Oh. So that's how you, you built it. But I remember like you can take a, like a player, I don't know if you remember, but like Mark Overmars a hundred yeah. years oh, ago. God. But you can imagine you go one against one against Overmars. Like for me, I loved it. Because then if you could defend against that speed, yeah. you, you're right. Yeah. And uh, so there was always a fight within the fight, if that makes sense. And you're like, I'm going to take this guy. Or like, I said it before, but me and Ashley, but it was more bigger games. We always had an internal competition of who could nutmeg really? each other most in the game. Right. And that was like in the dressing room afterwards. How many do you get? Oh, I got five. You got two. Oh, hey. <laughs> so this is the levels we're talking about here. Yeah, It's gone beyond just doing your job here. Yeah, They are so good. That team is so good. And you've just named two. Unbelievable five-a-side teams, by the way. Two, we didn't even talk about strikers. You got Thierry Henry, you got Van Persie, you got Dennis Bergkamp. You haven't even mentioned them, guys. That is that, but they've got to the level where they know they're so good at doing it. Now they're playing mini side games. They're side questing it, Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're side questing doing nutmegs. That's unbelievable. I've got to ask. You, <laughs> Sorry, you mentioned him there, Mark Overmars. Oh. Was he the fastest player you played with? I think Thierry, like, probably, like, when Thierry opened up his legs because he's so big, yeah. he has that power. It's to a bigger keep, flywheel, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, to, like, cause I think the bigger players, if you look at 30 meters and stuff, they sure. have that advantage. I remember Sol Campbell was quite poor on the 5 to 10, but yeah. all of a sudden you hear his legs coming yeah. and he will <laughs> accelerate up. So, but I would say Overmars on the shorter one, 0 to 15, 20, was unbelievable. Right, okay. Oh, and it. what about your relationship with, with Arsene, Arsene Wenger? Um, yeah, could you tell us a little about your relationship with him? Um, yeah, of course, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came to Arsenal when I was 19, 20, 20, I think, and came on my own, no family, not digs because I'm too old for digs. So I got my own flat, very lonely, didn't <clears throat> like coming like I wanted to come was England um, Arsenal were the champions of England so I wanted to come to a championship team but it was hard we had no friends yeah. so for me that was hard and Arsene had a human side to him I felt that he could see the human being I wasn't just a number he would always check on me or even when I got older like even if then you like have a life and you I stayed in London I love London in the beginning it was hard but he always like you know how's your parents a gentleman in what he does, you could always feel like there was a thought process in his decision-making. Like, they would never, you know this, like some managers, they read the newspapers and they pick the team from the newspaper, you know. Oh, now they he, There was nothing like... He was just... I just have an enormous respect for him, how he conducted himself and, and how he led our club. We had, like, rules that, like, when you come into the training round, you shake hands with everybody. If yeah. that's the secretary or that's the cleaner or whatever it is, everybody's treated the same and you show respect where you are. That was something that made me stay at Arsenal my whole, almost my whole career because of that. Yeah. Because I felt that was an identity I felt I could live with or I felt at home with that, that, like, he wouldn't let anyone start to be an asshole. And I, I, I love that part. It, sound, so that's, it, it um, sounds like core values. Like yeah, he's, he's set the tone. So he is the complete manager of that football club. He he knows about everything that goes on. He, he has set the tone for every facet of that football club and everybody falls in line. It sounds a little bit similar to the, the type of manager Jurgen Klopp is at Liverpool. Because by all accounts, when he first signed for the club, 
He got everybody into the canteen. I'm talking everybody, ticket office, you're talking staff, physios, masseurs, all those kind of guys. The people mm -hmm. that people don't see normally. People aren't from the outside yeah. world, they don't see them. But they have a massive part to play in your performance, not only on the training pitch, but on a Saturday afternoon as well, don't they? And he made a point of saying, right, you learn all of their names. So he was talking to the players. You learn all of their names. They are just as important as me, as the masseur, as the coaches, as a, because you will see them every single day of your life, probably more than what you'll see your family. Yeah. So you learn their names and you speak to them like normal human beings. And it sounds like he's just carried on that way all the way through. So that was very similar to, to Arsene Wenger. Very similar. And I, I felt it wasn't through fear. Yeah. Like it can lead in different ways. Like there was nothing that I was about forcing people. Like it was a human being or like seeing the values, seeing like this is the right way of behaving or whatever it is. Like I love that part. Like he got people to work so hard. I don't say through love, but through humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. Um, okay. Can we talk about um, a Nike advert that you've appeared in, please? 2002. <laughs> please we did stop. a bit of research about this, didn't we? We were watching it. The, the full four minute this is back when Nike adverts were Nike adverts. They were by the, the gold way, standard. They, they were the gold standard. It was a story. If I'm watching a four-minute advert on telly, I am locked in as a kid, and I'm watching it going, "This is incredible." Saying that in 2002, I would have been what? I'm 19 years old here, so I'm You'd not exactly still. a kid, but I'm still locked in, right? Because yeah. it was proper quality. So, in this advert, you're in a cage. Um, some of the other stars in this game, by the way, are in this in this advert: Ronaldinho. Uh, Figo, Thierry Henry, the original R9, Ronaldo, De Nielsen, Scolzi. Um, can you talk to us about this particular advert? By the way, go and watch it, everybody. It's a phenomenal advert. Oh, but, no. <laughs> yeah, but can you, can you just talk to us about how these adverts are actually filmed? Are you all together? Are you all doing it together? Or is it filmed bit part here, bit part there? How do you get these superstars all know, together in the same you don't game. get that anymore. So it's, I mean, it's a long time ago, so yeah. maybe some of my bits of my memory is wrong, so... Don't hold me to but what I can remember is that I think we played United on the Saturday or something. We beat United, which was a nice <laughs> feeling. And I think then there was a, a, a jet for the players that was waiting. So I think United players and Arsenal players flew Ooh. together, I think. So How that was, was that? That's got quite, to be a little bit That was weird. quite a nice feeling. Yeah, you're, you're buzzing at <laughs> uh, it. But then, yeah, then we flew down. I think that one we flew down to Rome. And then the next day, uh, we filmed um, that somewhere outside Rome. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were in, I can't remember, was every single one was there exactly at the same time. If they did half of the players at one dark concert, but we were quite a few players filming on that day. And, what, and how does that work? Was that part, because you were a Nike athlete at yeah. that time, weren't you? That was just part of your contract. That yeah. was just another one that you had to do. You had to go and film for this, for this new advert. So it's on a boat, by the way. It's fantastic. The, the, finished, the finished article is absolutely incredible, uh, which brings me nicely onto your favourite type of boots. So like I say, you were a Nike athlete. Mm -hmm. what, what boots did you wear back in the day and what fun, fond memories of which models? Oh, so obviously I, I've been sponsored by both Adidas, Nike and then Puma. Yeah, yeah. So I... I'm quite boring on this. Like this, I hope it doesn't come across badly. In the olden days, it was a Copa Mundial and then yeah. the Tiempo. Yeah. Like that was the type Classic of shoes. Classic black boots. Yeah, because I felt they were soft. And I, I play with such small boots yeah. that I didn't have to do my laces. So like they were so stuck on my feet. Really? And uh, But then later when you got, sorry to say, when you became a bit bigger or a better player or whatever yeah. you want to call it, they made your shoes to measure. Yeah. So, like, for example, some of my toes are irregular and bigger here, and they said they fixed it all. So then it didn't matter so much 
what make it was they were like just so snug mold your, your mold to my foot and uh, like i said in training off i didn't do my laces and that drove some coaches mad because it obviously looked yeah, a bit yeah, arrogant yeah. but like they were so small so they didn't fall off well, you've been a coach yourself, and if you saw a young player coming in with his laces undone... I wasn't that young then. So. <laughs> <laughs> you could have got away with it. But it's true, though, isn't it? I've seen, I've seen some younger players turning into training with their laces undone. And you want to... Have you said something, Ben? Yes, you have to what, say something. How does it go? Do you know how unprofessional that looks, basically, in the nicest way possible? There'll be a lot yeah. more swear words around yeah. it, but it is. You would say, yeah. what are you doing? It, even if you're not going to... you. So, so for me, to context to it like but everybody has it i always try like you're an individual you need to feel that you are doing the best for yourself so i would do warm-up and the rondo mm. without them done because then i felt relaxed there was no like okay i don't like the warm i hate the warm-up it's the most boring thing in the world but then at least i felt relaxed and then when we started <laughs> i did my laces so i did it was the first part i don't know it's just a psychological thing uh, but i i, I only been told of once was actually when I went to America and like end of my career, like in America, the coach told me, off. I said, how can you do like what you said? You're unprofessional. How can I? I was no, like, he did not. I said, like, I've had this for 15 years. I'm sorry, but I'm not tying them. <laughs> but yeah. Can you imagine the cheek of that? <laughs> Who is this? Seattle Sounders. Can yeah. you imagine the cheek of telling Freddie Lumbo to wow. do his laces up? Like some 18 year old or something. Yeah, oh wow. my gosh. Wow, that is unbelievable. Um, it makes me laugh when you say about the rondos and you hated the warm up. So as a goalkeeper, we the goalies would always disappear, wouldn't we? Yeah, We'd yeah. do our own thing for half an hour, 45 minutes. And we would always sort of cast an eye over to the outfield players. And you would be doing your little, your little shuttles your rondo you're through the the gates and whatever and we would just go that looks so mundane so miserable the same thing every single day was that what you were like as a player very laid back with it all just wanted basically you just wanted to get to the action yeah i, I that was my way of maybe coping with pressure and all mm. that kind of stuff i wanted to see training as fun mm. For me to do that every single day for 20 years, that at least for me, I, I, there was the love to go out on that pitch. And yeah, the warm up, and that, that was the hard part. And you just had to get through it. Um, so that's when you maybe, I, I, I speak to coaches these days because I, I'm now on the coaching side as well. And they, some coach gets really angry when the players are laughing a bit in the warm up and yeah. they're not concentrated. They're not this, so they haven't done the laces. And I try always to say it from a, angle of the players i'm like yeah but he's maybe a pro for 20 years or so this is his way of preparing as long as when we start yeah let's say the proper training and he's switched on and he's not laughing then he's on it maybe that's his build-up to get his concentration yeah, right yeah yeah so don't just judge the book by its cover yeah good there is different ways of getting there and um maybe my own experience but it's something i often talk about or that can be that oh i saw him in warm-up he's going to be useless and I said, if you saw my warm-up, yeah. I would be useless every single day. Yeah. And so don't judge it. Everybody does yeah. it differently. So it's getting ready for, mat, uh, for yeah. match day, isn't it? Like yeah. you said, Ben, in the, in the past, you were, you were training with Edwin van der Sar, and you said he would sometimes catch seven or eight balls in training and then go inside, right? Yeah, well, we, we were talking about goalies earlier. We were talking about David Seaman, Edwin van der Sar, and um, they seem like very, very similar characters where they don't really like doing a... Mo it's all about that 3 p.m. kickoff. As soon as that whistle goes, it's it's like something switches. Yeah, Something switches, and that's that's what you were then, seemingly. Yeah, and even for training. Like, you need to... I, when I speak to young players, like, come up, let's say they come in the first team and they won't play. 
but they're in the squad. And I said to them, look around you how they prepare. You can see in the eyes when they switch on. Yeah. So some of them are switch on when they walk into the dressing room, some just before kickoff. Find your way. Mm. That's an experience as well. Like where do you switch on? Where do you feel comfortable? Because if you do too early, some may start to get nervous because they switch on too early. You need to find a way and you need to, as a manager, or in my opinion, teammate, need to understand everybody does it differently. Yeah. You know yourself. Some are totally quiet in the dressing room. Some are laughing until kickoff. As long as they're on it when it starts, that's why I think it's important. And you need to find, in my opinion, to be a top, top player, you need to find exactly how you want to do it to find that peak where you're like, I'm on it. Yeah. And that needs to be like that. I think that's that's something like, again, experience. And I remember when I was younger, thinking experience doesn't matter for anything. It's all about what I do on the pitch. That's the only thing that matters. But then as you get older, you actually go, no, I learn myself. I've learned my body, and what works for me. Do you think the best coaches, the, the absolute best coaches understand that, that everyone has their own process? Well, I, I like the sound of the way that you're coming at coaching here. This sounds to me like the, the part of coaching that you enjoy the most is not only showing them the technical, but also the mental side of of how to be a footballer and how to get yourself ready to be in a position to perform. Yeah, because that is a part, we always just talk about how do you do tra training session? Oh, we did this exercise. There's more to it, isn't it? Like, oh, why was he not performing the first 15, 20 minutes? Yeah. Looked off. He didn't look like, okay, that mental side, maybe he wasn't prepped properly. Maybe someone forced him to do something he didn't want to do beforehand that pushed him off. So I at least have a very broad view on mm. as long as they can do it within the rules of the team, prepare how you want to prepare. But when that whistle goes, oh, you if, you, be, yeah. if you're not on it then, we have a problem. Yeah. But that's how and I see it. And you coached from, from young age groups up to first team, Freddie. So bearing in mind what you said about Arsene and, and what, what he's, his kind of standards were, are those elements of that that you brought into your coaching, particularly in the younger age groups, we're teaching them how to conduct themselves? 100%. Percent like how I actually came into coaching was uh, I, I asked like some people asked me to be a coach and I actually went to Arsene and asked what he thought. He said, "No, no, you should try it and do that." And he said, "When they're younger, I, he said I want you to go in on the younger age groups. I don't want you to to cheat and jump in earlier, well, uh, later." So what age groups were we talking? So about? I started with the 15s, yeah. but then I helped assist something the 12 year olds, the 14 year olds, and he said, "You will probably learn more from them than they learn from you." Because it's a different generation. Uh, like, let's say they talk about someone's late for, for, for the game. And like, oh, I saw on Snapchat, he's on the tube. I'm like, <laughs> what, what is Snapchat? Like, where are we going here? And it, you learn so much. Or like, what triggers them? Like, okay, so, because I always said to the coach, then they are 15 now, but in a couple of years' time, these are the boys that will be in the first team. Yeah. So whatever triggers them today will be how the first team is in a couple of years' time. You can think whatever you want about it, but that's the reality. Mm. And so I always felt that that was my time to learn what triggers them. And like you said, I always try to help them of like some maybe inside information of like, you need to feel what is, what is right for you. Trial and error. Like, do you want to have food that time? Do you want to eat this? What makes you relax? What feel you in the zone when the game goes? You are from 15 or 14, start to experiment. That works for me. That doesn't work for me. What is it? It's like... I remember some players, they would sleep a little bit in the afternoon before a big game. But some people don't want to sleep. They mm. feel more relaxed if you just have a chat with someone. Find your way. So I'm a big believer on that, that 
the mental side is massive and mm. we have forgotten a bit about that's it. That's so refreshing to hear oh, though because I think I think in today's game it's almost like there's a way of this is how you succeed this is how you do things especially when you hear certain kind of um ex-players and saying you have to do it this way you have to and it's really nice to hear that actually they are young players and they're impressionable so actually they are all individuals yeah and if if what works for superstar a might not work for 18 year old you know young player coming through so that's um it's really nice to hear, isn't it, Bill? It's not one size fits all, Tom. That's absolutely, it absolutely. It's not one size fits all. It's Freddie, lovely. We talked about um, adverts. So known for your adverts, we what? I didn't remember this one. So you're not known for adverts. You're known for being a good footballer. Yeah, I was going to say. Sorry, that is <laughs> that's poor from me. I'm just as soon as that came out of my mouth, I thought, no, no, no I'm going to have to correct that. So you mentioned one earlier on, Ben. I don't remember it. The Pringles advert. Pringles advert. Talk us through the Pringles advert. Okay, not mine. Oh, yeah, I can. Um, so I think at one stage that I don't know, quite a few different adverts, but I think before World Cup or Euros or something, they did like a either it was a Europe Eleven or a World Eleven, and um, so yeah, I did this Pringle thing, and you had to juggle a Pringles box, and then you kept it up, and then you smashed it away somewhere, and then another player will bring it down, and he start juggling, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we kicked it to each other. Um, and that, that was quite cool, but it was, I can tell you, it's not the easiest thing. So it's it took a bit of practice. It's an odd shape. Can. So is it full? Is it got crisps in it? I think there was something in it. Yeah, I, I didn't open and check. I think they tried to tape it because otherwise the <laughs> lid falls off all the time. And, and you actually did it. It's not CGI because no, no. nowadays you know for a fact it's going to be CGI, don't you? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah you yeah, do yeah, it. Of course. You did back, it. back in the day it was proper, right? Yeah. You probably did it. Work yeah. on your touch with the Pringles. Cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like going to be a long afternoon. This. It'd be similar to a rugby ball, I'd say. Yeah, I yeah? think so. I think so. Um, there's another advert, Ben, that we might be familiar with. The campaign that Freddie was. Uh, did, did you know this, by the way? Did of? you know that the Calvin Klein advert um, campaign you did is their most, their single most successful underwear campaign? Did you know that? I didn't know up to date. I yeah. knew. Then it was successful, but yeah, that's a nice. Uh, it's impressive, mate. It's impressive. How, how did how did that come about, Freddie? Because obviously that was like a a big deal, right? And yeah. obviously for people mine and Ben's age, like we we know you. You're like fantastic footballer. Um, when we mentioned to our wives that we were coming down, it was like, oh, I know Freddie Lundberg, but yeah, yeah. it wasn't for Freddie, being yeah. such a brilliant football player. Yeah. Um, so how? Did Sorry that, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so how did that come about? So. Yeah, like in those days, it wasn't so common no, it wasn't. as no, it, it wasn't. is today. Nobody did that kind of stuff. Uh, but my, my, first of all, my brother was a f went to school as a fashion designer. So we had that little yeah. fashion part was something that interested me as a family because he, he, he lived with me in London, went to school in London. Uh, but when this came, I said no. for a few, I, said, I, I never even done this shoot with like no sleeves on my top. I said, I'm a football player. I'm not showing my body. I have no interest in, like, I'm a football player. But then people that I work with for a couple of months, like, Fred, you don't understand. This is not an advert, uh, an advert for underwear. It's like an icon. It's like yeah, the Calvin yeah, Klein, yeah. like, you have, I think, Mark Wall. But there was, like, big actors done it. It's not, like, just standing mm. there to show some it's underwear. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, anyway, they, they wore me down after a few months. Yeah. And uh, I agreed. But uh, first one, I was very uncomfortable, very nervous. 
I did it for a few years. I learned <laughs> how to you? do it. But uh, that was way out of my comfort zone, I can well, tell what, you what that. Because like you say, at that time, that wasn't really the done thing, was it? The footballers, uh, it, was, it was all about the football. It was all about the pitch. There was not mm. really endorsements knocking about right, well, left it, and centre. It, it was like Freddie and David Beckham. They were, it was, you were the trendsetters. Yeah. So what was that like in the change rooms? How did they go down with the lads? Or was it a Is case that a loaded of, question, Ben? No, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> How, would the lads give you any sort of grief for it, basically? Or was no. it a case of you just 100%, saying... 100%. Of course. Yeah, you, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, so that's how the dressing room is. Yeah. Like anything you do, will get banter for. So I think they printed up my photos in the whole training ground. Toilets, <laughs> the whole thing was covered. Uh, but I, I actually then like, yeah, I, I ordered in boxes on boxes of underwear. So I bribed them a bit. I said, oh, boys, here yes. is. <laughs> yes. Enjoy it. Would you, so you would have played in them as well then, I'd, I'd presume? Um Sometimes, yeah. but then as well, it depended. And the club wanted us to have something. But yeah, in general, I, I had a life time supply of them. Covered, that, so, so 2003, I think you signed the deal with Calvin Klein. When did the Invincibles, was that 03, 03, 04? 04. Yeah. So it, it might be that the Invincibles were powered by all, powered by all Calvin Klein. a million dollars in their Calvin <laughs> Klein. I, 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 like, I like the way Freddie tries to say, I didn't want to do it, I wasn't doing it, I wasn't doing it. And I kind of just see Calvin Klein going, here's another zero, yeah? <laughs> all right, here's another zero. Will you do it now? Go on then, I'll do it, yeah. It's a big deal, isn't it? It's a big deal. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I want to talk about goalkeepers, please. Um, Freddie, you've played with some... Some world class goalkeepers, Bob Gold was David Seaman, um, Jens Lehman, um, and obviously the current goalkeeper set up at Arsenal. Now, there was a lot of debate early in the season, Mikel Arteta bringing in David Rea and saying he's going to have two number ones. Brighton do something very similar where they almost rotate their goalkeepers, which blows my mind. Um, as, a, as a coach of youth football and youngsters and that sort of level, what, what would your opinion be on, on whether it's, it's possible to change a goalkeeper? So I probably tried to look at it in a bigger picture mm. and um, spoken to some old goalkeepers as well and seen their opinion about it. I think in general, as a player, I remember as a player when we started to play a lot of games and, and they started, oh, no, we need to rotate a little bit. Or you played as a winger, you played three games in one week. It's You can't do it, you'll break. And you're like, no, if I'm the if I'm playing well, I'm playing. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? He couldn't. Re I couldn't really compute. It was like struggled. But you, you learn after a couple of years. But... Goalkeepers are not really used to this mentally. We mm. talked about before getting prepped for the game from a young age. And all of a sudden that, I don't know how you are, but I see a goalkeeper with this, not big ego, but like confident. They need to be confident to stand between, you know, in that goal. Like they make mistakes. They're going to be caned in the whole country. Like it's a lot of pressure on them. And I personally have an opinion. They want to feel I'm the man, mm. like to feel that. If they know that, oof next game if I, I might not play and I would say that gives them a bit of a worry or like not being there 100% so in general in today's goalkeepers I don't think they're ready for it if you say they're going to start prepping 13 14 year old goalkeepers like this might happen and this is how your life going to be I think that that maybe you can do and so I think you really need to be lucky and find the right goalkeepers to be able to cope with that because I think in general I don't think they can cope with that. Yeah. I don't know what you think. No, I, uh, I was going to say correct answer. <laughs> correct answer, <laughs> Freddie. You're correct. Um, yeah, I think unless you have prepped them from an early age that this is something that might possibly happen in the future and you even implement it at that youth level, it's not something you can spring on uh, a mid-20s, late-20s goalkeeper. You can't. Mm. I agree with what you said as well. Goalies need to feel like I, I used to have this sense of pride that I was the number one. It was mm. my position. And again, the thought of rotating was no chance. Absolutely. I wanted to play everything. I'm talking League Cup, FA Cup. Do not even dream of rotating me because in my head, 
somebody else has that opportunity to try and impress yeah. and there's a chance I and could lose my spot. Pressure with, and, exactly and then that. you might make a mistake yeah, because exactly you feel pressure. That. And that's opposite what you want for a goalkeeper. You want them to just know what they're doing, nice and calm, stay on that level playing field. Don't and impress ease. me, just play. Exactly that, yeah. I like that. You should say that to your young lads. It's really, really <laughs> nice. Um, VAR talk, Freddie. Uh, we've had multiple, numerous footballers on this podcast and not once so far has they said, have they said, we agree with VAR, we love it, we want it kept in the game. Um, so much so, in fact, we did a podcast earlier this week with Lukas Fabianski, and he played in an FA Cup match just a couple of weeks ago for West Ham against Bristol City, and he said because there was no VAR, he felt it actually hampered West Ham's performance on the day. He said because when you're playing in the Premier League, you're so used to VAR getting involved, stop, stop, and it would take a minute, a minute here, a minute there, yeah. two minutes here. Yeah. He said... When we played in the FA Cup against Bristol City, no VAR, he said it was just relentless, constant, no downplay, no downtime. You were just going at it. He said, and we weren't used to that. Whereas Bristol City do that week in, week out in the Championship. And he said it was no surprise that Br uh, Bristol City actually went and won the game. What are your thoughts on it? I'm not going to get involved in, in that part. Yeah. I think maybe West Ham should still have won the game. Yeah. But, but um, I get the point, what he's trying to say. And I, I think when it came... I had an opinion that, I, yes, um, if it makes more goals. Mm. Like, I came from a winger's perspective. Like, I've seen so many afterwards where the whistle went or the flag went, I wasn't offside. Yeah. It should have been a goal. So I was like, okay, finally now at least, when you do that bent run, they won't give you the flag, it's going to be a goal. So I thought that would be great. Uh, or, you know, that was what I saw in front of me. What we have today is not what I saw. Mm. And I am probably of the opinion, I don't like what I see mm. today. If there was some way of simplifying it, maybe don't use everything, yeah. like when they pull back for long sequences, and if they could simplify it in some way and still use it mm. for certain clear-cut things, or like made a line thicker or something, so we don't, because often we say, when, yeah. did the, when the ball leave the foot? Yeah. Like they often put that line, I'm like, have they checked on a, on a camera on the foot when yeah. that ball actually leaves the foot? Because that obviously alters where the line goes. Yeah. Where is those margins? Yeah. And I just feel it's getting too complicated, taking too long, and you're losing that passion. Mm. So I don't, I don't like it. If it was just in some way to help them a little bit, we had some electronic thing that just went boop. That's offside, onside, and it was instant like that. I'm all for it, but the rest I've had enough. I must say. Yeah, I think um, that's the kind of general consensus. It's isn't unanimous, it? isn't it, Ben? It is unanimous. Yeah, so I still see like these. Apparently, they've asked Premier League players, and all of them have voted yes. We love VAR, and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. no, who are these <laughs> Premier League players? Where? Like every time we speak to a ref or anyone representing them, we're like, I'm like, how's that? Like, yeah, you decided it. Where? You, I was like, I didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. When? <laughs> yeah. Secret, secret ballot. Let yeah. Yes. Uh, Freddie, you are uh, you very fortunate in the fact that you've played. Sweden, England, Scotland, USA, Japan, India. Am I missing anywhere? I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. um, what was it like playing in some of these countries? So was was there anywhere in particular that kind of took you by surprise or that took a little bit of adjusting to maybe the culture or the way they do things? Of course, everything is different. Yeah. Um, I felt like I came to the... Played back home to win everything, came here to try to win everything. I think that was my... How do you say? My not prime, but that's when it was really, that was the football. Mm. When I went to America, it was a different thing. I'm like, I want to experience things. I want to see different things in the world. And I could, you know, of course, I tried to play my best football I could, but it was a different part of my life. 
Uh, so I felt I, I learned something so enormous when I was in America because the players there was almost going back to the old days in Sweden where they were hardly paid. They had problems with maybe paying their bills and like they were very, in my opinion, very nice human beings mm. and, uh, and and stuff like that. So it was a total different mentality yeah, that I was, sure. I was used yeah. to. Uh, so I, I loved that part. Um, then maybe when I went to... Uh, yeah, India was so much like after I retired, so that was more like I helped them for yeah. two months or something. So I don't really count that. But like Japan was after I played the World Cup there once. I I loved the country, so I said if anyone ever asks me in my end of my career to have an experience to live in Japan, I would like to do it. And I was lucky enough that they uh, they asked me uh, to come, and uh, I I loved Japan. It was uh, very special, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, very special. Good. Great I stuff. like it. I like it the, the, for the lifestyle, let's say that, especially America, the sound of going out to America. Yeah. I think there's always been a little bit of me that probably would have loved to have got out to America and done done a year or two just to sort of really see that lifestyle of it, of, yeah, we're here to play football, but also to experience what, what the country has to offer as well. That yeah. dynamic Freddie spoke about is still, I think, very much alive in the MLS, though, isn't there, where you've got these kind of um, designated players or mm. the, the big names, and then there's... A real discrepancy from from top to bottom, isn't it? Yeah, that you've, must got, be... you've got players in America earning seven, eight million dollars a year, you know, yeah, as, no. as opposed to some of his teammates who might be on <laughs> forty yeah. a year. Yeah, not not very much whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely, it's crazy, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. You no, played it's... in an All Star game, right? Yeah, yeah. How was that? Different. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> what's, what's it like? Because it's it's not a. Um, I think here, for the no. English fan, like a European fan, even it's it's quite difficult. It's, it's weird. It's weird for us, it's like as a European to go there to play it was weird. But you get picked. We, my team was new, so Seattle, which was quite cool. Like now, it's probably one of the biggest teams out there yeah. uh, with the fan base and stuff. But we went out there, so we we made a playoff straight away, which broke some records there or something. So it's not normally how it works in their system because you need a. When they trade and all that takes a few times, uh, years for the franchises to be successful. But we managed that. I think we had two or three players actually in that all-star game. And it's weird because you, I think you, you play and you play next week. But in between, you're supposed to play this other game. And I was quite old. Like, not old, but like my muscles. You talked about yeah. before muscles hurt. And I was like, oh, playing a full game Again? here. For, for why? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. And I think we played Everton. That's right. So it's like a proper game. But like when you took in MLS at least, when you took the best players, and we had a good team, mm. like we could compete with with Everton or, or whatever it was. I think it went to penalties or something. So it was nice, but it was a bit more of an experience that I, uh, yeah, never experienced like that in my life. Yeah. But it was, it was nice. People were very nice, and like the day I think we were there two days before. I was the captain for that All Star team, so then you had to do things. So I like I had to go into the community and build a playground for the kids. Wow. And the kids were there. And nice. you did other things that like was more with the community, which I really liked yeah, that we yeah. don't really do here. Uh, so I think that was the biggest memories I had, all the things we did on the side of it, which felt more valuable. Do you think it could ever, ever work in the Premier League, some kind of all-stars, north versus south? Do you think we could ever get to that point? I felt with the amount of games you play, it, it 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 doesn't work and no. you won't get like it's sorry to say like it's quite a lot 
bigger the Premiership than the MLS. Like the money, if the player gets injured in that oh. game, who's going to pay for that? Yeah, like the insurance premium. Some, yeah. Someone does his crucial. I, I don't know how oh, that. Bad would enough work. with international duty with players, oh, yeah. managers pulling players. Yeah, isn't it? and so, I mean, it's a, it's a nice idea, but as well, if you look at the game, it's more of a show. Yeah, it's, it's like a, yeah. you're not going spectacle. Yeah, you're not flying yeah. in with a two-footed tackle. Uh, so it's a bit different, and I don't know if the fans here would appreciate that because it would be so different from a game than normal. Yeah. It'd be like a soccer aid type. Um, yeah, it would be. Yeah, type it's, vibe. It's, it's, it's it? like, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a spectacle, like I say. Uh, got a couple more things to talk about. I want to talk about the, the famous rivalry with Manchester United in a minute. Just how intense it really was. Um, but first, the the move to West Ham. Um, obviously, leaving Arsenal, having to leave the team that you'd been at, the team that you call your team. I heard it earlier. It was lovely. Um, was that? a real big decision for you to make or did you feel that the timing was right? Like I, I read an article where Thierry, Thierry Henry had just signed for Barcelona that summer as well. Uh, did you feel it, the time was right to leave? Yeah, no, I felt it was time to leave. I, um, I was lucky enough that a few years people came in wanted to buy you here and there and um, I didn't. Um, but I felt I actually spoke to Ashley Cole about this a little bit when he left. I think that was a few years before. I felt that the, the maybe that the mentality changed a little bit. Mm. We were I was used to this hard mentality of like winning is to all costs and I felt maybe that was not really the same anymore. So I felt why not try something else? So yeah, I thought that maybe if you look afterwards I maybe should have left one or two seasons earlier. Uh, but I was so much in love with Arsene and his way that I never did. Could you put your finger on what it was that changed? What was what what start, started to lessen in regards to win at all costs? No, but I think a lot of people left or stopped playing yeah. or like we we lost uh, players and uh, I I'm it's I'm so old now I don't like to go back and talk about there was this one's fault it was this one's it, it is what it is. Mm. Um, but I felt maybe we, we, we lost a little bit of that edge yeah. that we had before. Bit of a transitional period, wasn't it, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that edge um, always was shown in the in the games against Manchester United. Um, <laughs> just how, just, I'd love to know, I'd love to be in that build-up to the game and be part of it, just to know how much this meant to, I'm sure to Man United as well, but to, to you as a player playing in those sort of games. Yeah, I think for... I don't know, it was eight years or something, we were first and second yeah. and back and forth with United. And for people to understand it, like, at first I want to say, like, I had the most enormous respect for the United players. And I felt they were great football players. I loved the unity they seemed to have. Like, they, even if we thought they were dirty, yeah. they were, like, dirty together. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they backed each other up. They, they believed in what they were doing. And it was something I sometimes was a bit envious. They were like, you're like I couldn't pinpoint the weakness of like, oh, you know, like I really looked, not looked up to them, but admire what they were doing. Yeah. And if at the same time, I didn't like them yeah. at all. And so it gave great rivalries. And I felt like, okay, I played these games or we played in the Champions League. Like, this is creme de la creme. Yeah. Today, I'm going to be good. I'm going to show these from the north that oh, they talk about our softies in the south and all this <laughs> stuff. Here we go. Off we go. And I loved it. And I think the fans loved as well. Like I, You probably saw, you see the tunnels, but there was no 
you know, giving, even if I was friendly with someone, I wouldn't give him a cuddle no, in that tunnel. No. Like, get off. Like, yeah. I don't even want to see you. So I think people could identify with that rivalry. Could, yeah. could you could you feel it in, like, the week building up to, to the game? Or was it almost once the game before, the week before it finished, it was, right, lads, get your sights set on that game against Manchester United at the weekend. Get ready for this. Yes and no. I, I remember like Tony Adams had a chat with me about the Tottenham game three weeks before the game. Wow. And he said, you make sure you're not injured that date. I said, what happens that day? Oh, I thought it's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was his first game. Um, but no, of course it was. Because in those days, at least, there was the media. Like, there was the... Like I, they probably didn't do it on purpose, but me personally sometimes felt they were a bit cocky in the media. Yeah. They talked a bit in the media while we maybe said, let's not talk. On Saturday or Sunday, we showed them that they like can't tie our laces. We'll play and see if they're going to get close to us. So it was kind of those, I felt like almost a little bit, we looked at different things around it that made me at least like, oh, I didn't like what he said there or like uh, stuff yeah. like that yeah, that built yeah. it up yeah. and uh, made it quite explosive in the weekend. <laughs> Do we think that's the biggest rivalry in Premier League history? Oof. Uh, for me, it is. I think it is. For me, it is because I think, it is. I think for, I speak on behalf of most sort of thirty to forty yeah. plus year old football fans. Is that era of football was was the greatest? It was sustained, like you said, Freddie. It was seven, six, seven, eight years of that rivalry. Whereas, but like I know the famous Keegan run, um, but that was fleeting with Newcastle. Yeah, with Blackburn, it was. It was quick. It was over a couple of seasons. Arsenal, this was this was year thick in, year end out. of a decade. You knew what it? was coming next season. You knew yeah. what was coming the season after it. And you had all the theatrics of it. You had the the obviously the pizza, the pizza gate. gate. You had the you had the <laughs> yeah. Martin Keown jumping over oh, rude. rude Van Nistelrooy. You had Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira mm. in the tunnel. That was that just added to all of it because not not only just for you as players but as fans watching on. If you knew that game was on the telly on a Sunday afternoon or a, or a whatever, cancel you your plans. Cancel your plans because I am I am getting my popcorn ready for this. It's, it's nice to hear because obviously when you play, you want people to be interested in it. Uh, so that's hard for me to judge on what mm. you just said, but I take it as a compliment. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. If, if, if that's how, if you you didn't get to see it from the outside, but that's how it felt, Freddie. Yeah, honestly, definitely. We got some. Um, should we do some questions from Instagram? From, yes. Some 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 from what is, what is that? <laughs> I love this. I, love yeah, yeah, I yeah. think you're half serious here as well. No. I think you're half serious. No, no, no. Uh, add Ash, the most underrated player you've ever played with. Uh, I would say Loren. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. You said it earlier, and I thought, yeah. Loren, what a yeah. player, by the way. Yeah. So we got him from Real Madrid. We played him in the Champions League. He played central midfield at Mallorca. And we picked him, and they made him, or oh, Sen, again, they're clever, made him into right back. So underrated, like did his job, technically well played, like top player. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. Um, uh, Chair MCM123, who was the best fullback you played against? Who did you find it the most, the toughest challenge? This is weird. Like, as a player, you have the mentality that nothing is difficult. Like, you have to go into it, be like, here we go, give me the ball. But I would say, Ashley Cole, I think, is the best all round. That yeah. like you couldn't feel like some they were like, oh, what is the weakness? Or some of his feet is a bit slow. Like if I get him to backpedal a bit, I got him. Or like you, that angle is he's bad at that angle. If I can put him to the left and go right, I know I got him. While Ashley was his feet were so quick, movement like there was 
we actually me and him spoke not so long ago. We I said like I only said I only have one weakness on you, and he said, oh, like it's nutmeg. I said because I could take you one way and then try to chop in a yeah. nutmeg. Otherwise, you were so good one against one. So I would say Ashley was uh, very very good. He's, he's, oh. We've said it before, haven't we? He's got to be top three left backs ever. Oh, without doubt, he's top three. Whether he's top one of you know Robbie Carlos or you know it's yeah yeah the debate's there at least. Okay, anyway. we got uh, how much um, how much. So how many stories did you used to hear back in the day in the newspaper or read stories and just say, where are they getting some of this stuff from? You know, with regards to like transfers or stuff that might have happened at the training ground. Do you ever used to read stuff and just think, oh my God, you're just making it up now? So I had quite uh, like a rule. Like I had no newspapers at oh, home. I love that. And Perfect. I had no gossip magazines in my house. Whilst playing. While playing. Because, and my guests or people came up new because I felt it just plays with your mind. Yeah. I just want to play the game. Like I know if I'm bad or good. Like I don't need outside noise. Um, but of course, you, you hear them, and sometimes like an agent calls, or a lawyer has to call, or we need to sue these people. Or they said this, or they said that. And I, I think at least those. Like now, I work a bit with the media, but I think those things put scars in you. Yeah. Uh, that you felt. Why would they say, all right, that is only to hurt, mm. even if it's not true. And they probably know it's not true, but you want to hurt. So I think that puts scars in you, but it's the name of the game and you just move on and try to play football. Yeah, I think that's a message to some of the youngsters coming up that read too much social media. Um, it's, di it's different nowadays though, Ben, isn't it? you got to remember what they're going to do, not have a mobile phone. Just, it's, yeah, it's, you it's have a, a difficult mobile phone, I'm just saying, just, if you're, especially if you're in elite sport, don't go reading what some random guy from gosh knows where has got to say about your performance. We spoke about it, didn't we, earlier. The only people that you should really care about are your peers, your, your parents, your, your very, very close friends, and then your coaches, your manager, your goalie coach, your, all of them guys, the people that matter. They're the only ones whose opinions should really matter. Because there could be so many other external factors why they will mm. write bad things about it. Probably nothing about the game. They yeah. just don't like you as a human being. Having a bad day. Will, yeah, you have a great game and yeah. they'll still go at you. Yeah. So I think that's you have to be uh, rational and trying to like, this is not real, yeah. even if it's there. Freddie, thank you so much for being on the Fozcast today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it at home. And like I said earlier, if you want to go and watch the podcast that we did on Freddie Youngwear's Unseen, it's on Viaplay. Link down below. Go and watch it now. It's a belter. Up the Fozcast. Up the Fozcast. <laughs> Cheers, Freddie. Thank, thank you, you Freddie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Fozcast. Don't forget to give us a follow on Spotify. Up the Fozcast. <laughs>